Uh-huh. WFMP. We force many potholes. Wisteria functions marginally productively. Wild forks manipulate populations. Wet frogs masticate politically. Why forego mad pastels? Welcome to Critical Thinking for Everyone! Hey everybody out there, we are so happy to be coming back with another edition of Critical Thinking for Everyone. New and fresh. That's right, and it's still in the pandemic. Still, for pandemic lovers, yes, we are still Mm -hmm. uh, tracking that. We're also now well into the autumn season of the pandemic. Yes, and what is particularly relevant for the show today, we are are knee-deep in elections. Actually, we might be higher than knee-deep. We might be chest-deep in election season. Yeah, yeah, it might be. Yeah, that might be where we're at. Two weeks weeks from today. My goodness. We We should vote. Yes, we should. Did you vote yet? Not yet. It's on my calendar for Friday. You know you're supposed to do it soon. You know it ha- it's happening soon, right? Yeah. Are they? Are we they, have until we how have. How are you voting? We have until November 3rd. How am I voting? I'm going in person to one of the early voting locations. Oh, you're going to go? Okay, so I, I, I send in my absentee. You already did? You yes, took I care did. of that? I did some time ago. I like to show up and in, in be Get known. Get infected. Be oh. known. Get infected with patriotism. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, it sounds... Wow. So who are you voting for? (laughs) Infected with patriotism. (laughs) There's a bunch of that going around. What's your temperature? My goodness. Well... Red, white, and blue is my temperature. Thank you very much. (laughs) There you go. There you go. I've got the fever for democracy. Yeah. Well, that's good. Just like the ancient Greeks, the demos needs to have its day. And demos, the, what's that? The demos is the citizenry. That's oh. the that's the democracy. The demos and democracy. The demos is the individual citizen. It's also the citizen body. Look at you! Look at you throwing around all your knowledge. Oh well, whatever. And Kratos is power. If you just want to finish that one out, so it's supposed to be power to the individual people. I hope that uh, whether you go and uh, make yourself part of the apparatus as Patty has, or if you sit back and just trust the postal service the way that i did um i hope that you make uh voting part of your near future yeah next folks, couple of weeks vote 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 however you do we want you to vote yeah and if you're not in the u.s do it anyway do it do it wherever you do it just do it even just if just it a- even if it's a gesture in our direction oh my goodness do it. Yeah. we need all the vibes we oh, can yeah, get have a voting party yeah, have yeah. a voting party. Mm-hmm. Not a COVID, a voting. COVID. Oh, yeah. Voting. I mean, that's the thing. If you could just have voting people show party. up and maybe like they, they trade a, a vote on any topic at all for maybe a drink or a party favor, and then they go to a socially distant spot in the room and yell at other people with masks on, I think that sounds... That sounds like a good... All right, you go first and report back. Good party. Well, if anyone's (laughs) having any of those, feel free to invite me. You can reach out to us at uh, Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook. Uh, We're also on SoundCloud, um, Critical Thinking for Everyone at uh, the Forward Radio channel there. And... um, you can send us a message through forwardradio.org. If you go to Forward Radio on iTunes, too, we're, we're in that. We're in that. We're in that, we're in that. There's lots of yeah, ways you can you reach us. Wherever you find Forward Radio, you can find us you and all the other us. great programming. And before we move on, let me just say that you're quite likely listening to this, particularly if you're listening to this on uh, October 22nd or 23rd. It's quite likely that you're listening to this on Forward Radio 106.5 FM, Louisville, Kentucky, 
That's uh, Social Justice Radio, and uh, we are coming at you out of the Hayburn Building in downtown Louisville, Kentucky. And um, if you go to forwardradio.org, you can get a list of all of our fine programming and excellent uh, other shows. And you and can you also can, you can learn how to get involved or donate and be part of this really excellent um, radio station here in Louisville, Kentucky. Yep. So time, talent, or treasure, or we'll some combination thereof. Yeah. Bring it on. Not. So today's show, in case you haven't guessed, the demos. The demos. That's <laughs> right. We're going to talk about voting, folks. And look, I know what you're probably thinking: voting, like everything, it's about voting these days. Yes, but we've got some really juicy stuff because not only are we going to talk about how to make sure you can be a literate voter and what are the critical thinking moves you can make to be an informed voter and why that's so important. But we have some really juicy resources, and as I am wont to do, I did some research on voter bias nice. and voter biases, and I thought we that'd be a really fun thing to take our critical thinking lens to. I can dig that. Um, did you, um, do you have, what did you say is our purpose? Did you already say that for, our purpose, for doing all this stuff? Our purpose, well, I guess our meta purpose is to engage the listeners in thinking critically about voting. Did you say our metal purpose? Meta purpose. Oh, so not like a like, like a, a head banging heavy metal heavy purpose. Metal purpose. Do we have a heavy metal purpose? Man, if we do, you're the one be with killer. the long hair. Yeah, maybe, for sure. I maybe need to, think about that. Maybe I need to polish up <laughs> my heavy metal voice. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, reach Very out to good. me at uh, Critical Thing. Anyway, we already Critical Thing. We already did that. Yeah. Time okay. Okay. Well, Where I just wanted that? to say I thought it might be useful for us to elaborate just briefly on the alternative. We might be sophists. We might be. We might not be uh, fair-mindedly bringing voting information to you. We might have some uh, totally self-oriented purpose for bringing this up. We might just be jumping on the bag bandwagon like any shallow sophist would just in order to get attention and to get you to listen to our show or to vote how we want you to vote maybe that's yeah maybe purpose. we've got hidden methods because we're critical thinking manipulators we're another we're another category of sophists we're the kind that the ancient greeks used to think were magicians because they get you to give up all your stuff and feel good about it somehow right mm -hmm. how that even happened so maybe we're maybe we're out here Putting subtle, magical, linguistic devices through. Like we're implanting in yeah. your, yeah, could be. Yeah. Or maybe we're just trying to help you be a critical thinker when it comes time for the voting. voting it's vote. our new op, CT Ultra. <laughs> if anybody are, remembers their you history. You are full of vim and vinegar today. Oh, man. just That's like uh, something your grandmother just would Just make say. sure you know what you're eating, friends, yeah. Whatever, yeah. whatever the case. So um, I wanted you to cast your mind back to a couple shows ago when we talked about the Citizen, citizen Literacy website here at uh, Louisville.edu, if anyone's interested, a brand-new website. If you could even hear that show that was at the uh, Bowman Field. Yeah, Bowman Field, Field yeah, and you can go on SoundCloud, and it was really about this great new resource here at U of 
well mm. that t- took us through algorithmic literacy. It took mm. us through, do you remember what else? What else? Uh, Other types of literacy? Exponential literacy? Uh, expertise oh, about experts, mm, being okay. able to be literate about yeah, how you okay. think about experts right, right, right. and mm. news literacy. Okay. So the last one was Weren't about there, like, voting. Six of them or something? Yeah. And the last okay. one we didn't do was voting literacy. So we're yeah. going to start with that today. All right. Voting literacy. Okay. So it's the right topic. Now, it's really important, folks. This is one of the principles from the from the, that website is that you don't want to think about voting as like a Facebook like or dislike. Like it's you want to take it seriously. Do We take those things seriously. Yeah, we do. But we want people to realize that your vote can actually impact the world you live in in all kinds of ways and not just right when the way you vote for president, but sometimes actually your local ballot and the things happening at the local level will have pretty oh, big yeah. impact on you. Oh, absolutely. So you want to yeah. take voting seriously. That's the first kind of takeaway is that this is this is a democratic privilege and we need people to vote. It, it makes a difference. It's not a Facebook like or, or not like or a Facebook heart or a Facebook <laughs> cries face. Right. This is serious stuff. Why? Those Facebook things are serious. <laughs> I mean, again, just to go back, but I mean, what? Just be. I mean, we, we you assert that they're not things to be taken, but in that fashion. But why? Can we convince anyone who thinks this is just a frivolous thing to do, and maybe just about as important as putting a like on a Facebook post? I mean, I mean, how do you move people off of that point of view if they have? That's it? a good question. Um, do we have any ideas? Uh, well, I did meet someone last year, the someone in my social work circle, who said they have never voted. A young person who said it was like in her late twenties said she had never voted before, but she said, "I'm going to vote this time." Uh-huh. And I was like, "Okay, great, good. Yeah. Let's." What do you let's walk through what you need to do, right? Yeah, like okay. register and so no, I don't I don't know. So I, I'm not exactly sure what would get people who aren't compelled to vote. Although the numbers are pretty high early voting, so that's a yeah. good sign. I've heard of I've heard about that. A yeah. lot of people, you know, the rhetoric that I've heard, I think since I've since I became a young adult was that um, at least not everybody obviously, but but a large portion of People who would talk about this would say something like, you know, really your individual vote doesn't matter, right, because of the mathematics oh. of the, you know, larger system, you know, your individual. And, the, you know, then you have things like electoral college interference uh, or whatever you want to call that. Maybe that's the wrong word, but certainly not – certainly that's not um, the electoral college. And then when you get to the Supreme Court, right, and, you know, making decisions about – Various aspects. I mean, it just there's a lot there that makes people think that this system somehow is not is not that they can't participate. Yeah, right, why should right, I bother with right. it? And so I just wonder if we have any ideas about how to. I did not. I did not do research in that area. I did not. But um, I will say that, like in as an as sort of a, a case study, uh, in, last fall when our governor's race was happening. Yep, sure. And um, it was decided by like around 5,000 votes. Mm-hmm. And those were all clustered around the urban area outside of, uh, of northern Kentucky, outside of Cincinnati. Okay. And so those 5,000 people, maybe one individual didn't tip the balance, but as a collective, mm. that 5,000 in that region tipped the balance of the election mm-hmm. Toward, mm-hmm. Our, toward our new governor. Okay. So... So, okay. folks, we want you to vote. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just add that I think that people need to be involved 
in their communities. And this is one mechanism where at least you can have a say in some aspects, right? It might be the case that you feel like you're, you know, if you're in a state like Kentucky and you're voting as a Democrat for national elections, you might feel you might feel like that's not a very useful thing for you to do. You feel, might feel like, well, mathematically, this isn't necessarily going to work well, out. But, but if we don't play, we can't win, <laughs> exactly. as they say, which it, sounds perhaps trivial. It, no, it, it's true. And if you're worried about that, one of the things you can do is incur and go with your family and friends to vote. So oh, you can make it a picnic, make it a, or you know, get get the power of of the collective going. So, mm. well, let's talk about some of the things that this. Uh, lit- information or that what is it? citizen literacy on voting literacy like some of the advice let's talk about that all right so what kind of advice do they give the um, the voting literati well the first one is that you should be informed okay and so how do you do that so they have the three things that you can do to make sure you're informed the first one is make sure that you're reading what they call quality news like stay informed Mm. but you know read the full stories not just the headlines we talked about this last so there's a lot of news out there that is perhaps questionable i mean people from all sides of the spectrum right cast aspersions on various news. I don't think any of them are immune. Right. How do we make a determination about what the quality might be? Well, one of the things that you do is you have a sensitivity toward the news, understand the news source that you are first going to. And so we talked at our lat the two weeks ago about going to Wikipedia, doing a little research. Oh, Wall Street Journal, like, or Fox News, or like, what 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 is that what are they about right they have a they have a lens okay the other thing is this offers all kinds of int- good resources from third parties like factcheck.org uh govtrack.uspolitifact.org uh, these are organ- these are websites where if you're reading the news and you're like i got to see i got to do some fact checking these are organizations from um Nonpartisan institutes like the Pointer Institute, which does PolitiFact, or the Annenberg Public Policy Center, factcheck.org. Mm-hmm. So that's one way you can do it. Another way is you can use that chart that with the media bias chart that we've talked about. You all can Google media bias chart, and it's going to show you on a spectrum mm-hmm. where different news sources sit mm. in terms of their leanings politically, which ones are sort of more news oriented, which one might be sort of more, the you know, make sure you understand the difference between opinion, you know, source and a news source. Sure. So those are some ways you can do it. We are, by the way, an opinion source. <laughs> in case anyone's confused on that. Anyway. We're laying down some opinion. I'm glad you said that. Well, I mean, I don't want anybody to confuse us with the news. I'm afraid (laughs) you can't even see the news from here. But we are trying to just give some advice, right? It's our opinion about... Well, but some of the things I'm recommending are, like, when I say PolitiFact, factcheck.org, those aren't... I'm not... I'm not suggesting those are my opinion that those are worthwhile. I'm saying this is a, a source that I'm citing... It said this is where you can go. I'm to just get. noting that that source page has a lot of stuff on it, and Breitbart News is not on there. The <laughs> Daily Caller is not on there. No, you're right. 
Um, this is Fox. I don't see a Fox affiliate. No, because on there. this is looking at third party, like Center for Responsive Politics, OpenSecrets.org. Open, open Secrets. That's, that's so left. Listen, no, that's, that's so where you lefty. go to better understand the motivations and interests of wealthy donors. It's so anti-capitalist, anti-wealthy. Oh, stop! Come on, stop. These you can are see the slant. These are helpful. So read, reading quality news is a big, I know that's a big leap, but that's a big part. Another one, though, is research the candidates. Informed voting requires you to be aware of not only who's running, but the positions and the policies, right? Yeah, if they're anti-wealthy or not. <laughs> well, that might be your little well, bugaboo. I think but it's important to know. That's not everybody. So, so I have, people want to know. I have a treat Donate for to everyone. forwardradio.org. <laughs> I, Go have, ahead. I have a treat for everyone. In case you're, you're listening and you're like, gosh, wow, now I got to do research. How do I even know exactly like all the different people on the ballot that I'm going to be, they're going to be putting in front of me. OpenSecrets.org. Like right now. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. Ballotpedia. Do you remember that? Oh, uh, yeah. They were at the top of that lefty yes. list you have there. Ballotpedia. I love Ballotpedia. This is why they I love it. They are very informative. They are. Now, yeah. folks, in case you've never heard of it, now we've talked about it on the show before, but it's been a while. Ballotpedia is by the Lucy Burns Institute, okay? And they are this amazing organization that puts out tons of information about candidates anywhere in the country where you can go in and you can look by state or you can even put your address in and it will say this is what your ballot's going to look like and you'll be like oh there's a school board candidate how, gee how do I find out more super helpful you click yeah. and it tells you all about behind the scenes yeah. of those candidates I it's remember, all in one place yeah I remember being younger and not having access or not really knowing where to get yeah. some of this information and you go in to vote and it's like oh man I only know one thing on here right or you're something. like and then you're stuck I mean before smartphones, it's like, mm. yeah, you're like, know about the judges, right? They, they frown yeah, the that. local, yeah. yeah. Well, in fact, I will tell you a little shortcut that I've oh. taken, and you might judge this, but <laughs> we're all going to judge this. Please go. So, when it comes to local judges, I, oh, did you pun? I, <laughs> nice. when it comes That's to like everyone. local judicial races, you uh -huh. know what I do? Oh, yeah, I text my friend John Valentine. Shout out John Valentine, who's a local lawyer. Do you and want to I, drop his number here so people can text <laughs> no, him? No. Does John they, Valentine this, have a blog? No, they, okay. they, they, they can find him if they really want to find him. But <laughs> well, I text John and I go, John, okay, who do you like? It's like horse race. Uh -huh. Who do you like uh -huh. for these races? Okay. Right? Like who? And, and here's the thing. Am I capitulating totally to John? No. Uh -huh. But what I'm doing, what I'm doing is I'm getting his perspective. So then John will say, well, you know what? Now this judge, this is, uh, this is my experience. This is how I think about this judge. Okay. He or she has been on the bench this long or they're new. And, okay. and this is my experience with them. Like he gives me his insider's courthouse view of it. Okay. Does that mean I do it? Not necessarily. All right. But it's helpful to me. Yeah. So are you, I mean, just to be clear, are you advocating that people reach out to Valentine? Is that the, <laughs> see the, is see the one? Don't inundate him. Don't inundate him. No, okay. that's my inside. That's like my inside, like when you're at. Oh, the, so, you're, when like, you're at. I, so you're saying you need your own inside source. <laughs> Everybody needs to cultivate that on their own. Well, right? they might not trust John. I trust John. But I'm saying you already have cultivated, cultivated that. So you've right. got to, right. everybody's got to find, their, find own their own expert. Right. Or they can go to Ballopedia. Or Ballopedia. <laughs> and they can so so here's what I did folks so I went to Ballotpedia I went to Kentucky elections look it says Kentucky elections
Texas 2020, and it highlights all the different statewide, and I can click and I can learn about the candidates, the local ballot measures, um, ballot measures at the state level, U.S. Senate, I can learn about Amy McGrath or Mitch McConnell. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really awesome. And then I put my address in, and it shows me my ballot for my you know, my represent so like Metro Council mm-hmm. or my school board person mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. running. Yeah. It's really awesome. Ballotpedia.org. Um, it also has stuff like voter registration deadlines and links, in-person voting in Kentucky, if I couldn't remember where to go, ID types. We're going to talk about voter ID because that's at Bennett, as you know, a huge controversy sure. Controversy since like 2013 or so. I think longer than that. Um, yeah. And um, so Ballotpedia, so I love it. So, folks, I really, um, again, they don't get any money from me. You don't have to give them money. I'm just trying to give you a really great free neutral website. They call themselves the Digital Encyclopedia of American Politics and Elections. Our goal is to inform people about politics by providing accurate and objective information about politics at all levels of government. We are firmly committed to neutrality and our content. So I love that. Yeah, I think that sounds like the right kind of thing. I mean, if we're if we're actually trying to just empower people to vote, I think you want um, some attempt at objectivity and neutrality and just sort of providing the information, right? I mean, that's that seems like the right way to go. Yeah, and in case you're wondering, folks, wait a minute, you might be saying – is this like Wikipedia where anyone can go in and edit it? Oh, and I'm like, good no, okay. <laughs> no, that's good. They have 50 writers who put together this content, 50 people. And they even invite you. If you think there's an inaccuracy, hmm. they invite you to contact them hmm. and, or apply for a job. If you think you want to be a contributor and get paid to do this great work. Oh, it's nice. Isn't that nice? Yeah, Have you ever used Ballotpedia? Um, I used Ballotpedia one time. I think after you first mentioned it, I used it yeah. in the next election. But then what I've – I mean, I'm aware of it. I, I've been um, following maybe politics a little bit more closely since then. And so I'm I'm just using other um, maybe more direct sources to get the information than Ballotpedia. Okay. But I think well, it's really nice. Like John Valentine? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cultivated my own John Valentine. <laughs> So, you know, you do what you got to do. Um, and, I mean, we should we should recognize that uh, all of this stuff, uh, of course, these are just our suggestions. And there are a lot of good suggestions out there that aren't um, necessarily uh, in line with ours. I mean, critical thinking promotes multi- multidisciplinary thinking. There are all sorts of domains of thinking that are relevant to this information. And so we're saying, well... Maybe you need to cultivate um, some source for expertise uh, such that you can uh, tap into that when, um, you know, when you need this kind of information. You can know that it's high quality and that there's uh, some good thinking behind it. But maybe there are some other uh, really good approaches out there, too. And, and the point is we should be engaged with our thinking on issues like voting. It's an opportunity that we have to participate in um, civic life and the outcomes of civic life life affect all of us. So, I mean, there's a there's a big stake here for folks. Absolutely, and uh, we we want you to be a critical thinker when you vote. That's our that's our dream. Well, yeah, and of course, there's this thing in the Paul Elder critical thinking model that we talk about, which is the critical society. That ultimately, we're trying to cultivate critical societies. 
Um, and that really, at its foundation, is the sort of place where using rational processes explicitly and investigating your criteria uh, that you plug into those rational processes, all of this critical thinking stuff we're talking about, where that becomes something that uh, some critical mass of people start to believe in and practice on the regular such that it pervades all of the aspects of their life, including um, you know, social organization and commerce and, and government proper. But you got to get to the polls and do it. And that's the next thing I want to talk about is some really, I thought, interesting research on bias and things that influence the way we vote. Some of this stuff was a little bit out there. Mm. And I'm really curious to know what you think. Let's, let's hear it. Let's get right. out there with it. Okay. Well, right. the first thing I want to share is actually kind of some sobering research. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Is this also out there? Or is this well, no. Make this sense? is the stuff. This makes a lot of sense. Oh, Lord. Okay. okay. So right. we'll st- let's start with that, and then we'll go to the stuff that I'm, that's, I think it's a little more out there. So um, there are these two researchers. This, this uh, research is cited, cited in, um, from WNYC, um, the New York City public uh, radio st- uh, station, and they have this article called Think Our Voting System is Colorblind, Think Again. Okay. 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 So now many people know about the Voting Rights Act, right? You'll have to remind me. Okay. Many people might know, but I'm not right. sure that I do. So the, the Voting Rights Act essentially in the 60s basically eliminated things such as there used to be like a civics test oh. that you ha- used to have to take. Okay. To, to get access to the right to vote, okay? Hmm. And so eliminated that and also really um, eliminated a lot of barriers, especially for people of color, in being able to get access to the polls and to, um, you know, remove a lot of barriers that are in place. Now, okay. now, while that is great, what these researchers found is that there's actually another thing at play here. Hmm. And here's what they did. They sent emails to over 7,000 local election officials in 48 states. That's a, that's a pretty big number, okay? okay. 7,000 local elections, 48 states. They, and they asked for basic information about voter registration, whether ID was needed on election day, They sent identical emails from names that sounded ostensibly white and names that sounded ostensibly Latino. Okay. While some officials did send correct information to both white and Latino voters, a disturbing pattern began to emerge. Oh, what? When we sent those emails, the same text, exactly the same text, the same email from a Latino-sounding name, we got fewer responses overall. Hmm. We more often heard radio silence, and we got slightly less thorough responses. Okay. Okay. The Uh. aggregate effects of this in the population are that people from minority groups might be getting less information when they ask questions of these officials, like, how do I register? Where do I go to vote? Do I need to bring my ID? Hmm. With the patchwork of new voter ID laws in 31 states... This kind of unconscious bias shifts the discriminatory burden from the poll site on Election Day to the weeks and months leading up to an election when voters get the majority of their information on voting requirements. So it's this kind of subtle, they're saying they noticed a pattern of subtle discrimination in terms of if they would answer those questions, how thorough they were. Mm. 
That's pretty disturbing. I don't know. I mean, it would be more disturbing if they gave false information, I guess. I mean, maybe... I, I don't know. I mean, how much of a pattern was there? Do we have a sense of, did it say how often or um, to what extent? No, there's a link here if we want to dive into the details. Okay. I mean, I just, I wonder, you know, because so much of, um, so much of this stuff is determined by the methodology. And so while I agree with you that if there really is a pattern here, mm-hmm. it shouldn't, I mean, I would imagine there's no good reason for it to exist. Um, But I would just kind of be curious to see the methodology. Yeah, that is. And it's interesting. They said that mostly southern and urban areas covered by the Voting Rights Act treated voters more fairly than other areas of the country. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I guess. I mean, I don't know, again, what to account, you know, how to account for any of that. Well, this is a case where we might, if we want to, we can delve into the into the research study to look more about it. look look into it. Right. What was it called again? It's called. Uh, oh, it's called think think our voting system is colorblind. Think again. It's okay. the from the takeaway WNYC. Oh, NPR stuff. Yeah. yeah, and the new voter ID laws. Okay, so here's here's some of the controversy about their voter ID laws, guys. Okay, because the first one, actually, the first voter ID law was actually uh, in 2016 was in in Indiana. What do you mean the first voter ID law? I mean, we've had laws about identification, haven't we? Well, this one was... They have to know it's you to vote, right? Right. So this one was the first one, apparently, where it was seen as integral to getting access to voting. Oh. Yes. Okay. And so uh, they, of course, so part what's part of the concern about that is what's some people when they think about access to voting, what's their concern about making it based on an ID? Well, if it's if you're for that, then it means that you this person has been vetted by whatever mechanisms have been put in place by the state to determine that they are who they say they are. Right. right. And so that makes voting Ostensibly, that would make voting more secure so that you can make sure that each person who is legally authorized to vote is given one opportunity and only one opportunity to vote. So that's that's on that side. Right. What's on the other side? Well, the side that's against the um, having the voter or um, the side that that sees that as a negative says, well, if I'm a person who doesn't have a lot of resources, I might need to pay for this identification. Or I don't even have a photo ID. You well, that's the thing is I need, right. to, I need to get it, right? And even if it's free, that might mean, you know, again, if I'm someone who doesn't have a lot of resources, that means that I have to navigate government bureaucracy on my own time. It might mean I have to take substandard public transportation. It might mean I have to give up hours at my hourly job. It might mean I have to incur ill will on the part of my employer or if I'm a student, um, all sorts of issues like that. Exactly. So it, it can be seen as a barrier. And for some people, it is a barrier. Sure. And sometimes so, there's money involved, in which case I, might not, I just might not have it. I mean, going and getting my ID so that I can vote, if that's really the reason that I'm voting, um, that might mean uh, that something else that I need to pay for uh, you know, doesn't get paid for. 
Yeah, exactly. That, that doesn't seem fair to a lot of people because what that means is that wealthy people just literally have more access because the money's not an issue for them in any you know, in any regard. Well, and you also have people who need to get access to the polls, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have people who uh, now now absentee voting has really gone crazy this year because of COVID. But for a lot of people, absentee, because now you can indicate COVID as one of your options before sure. Sure. you had to have a legit reason that you indicated that you needed the absentee. Well, some non-COVID legit reason. Yeah, some non-COVID, <laughs> yeah. right? And for, so for some people, taking off work or waiting in line or having child care issues kept them from being able to have the flexibility to go vote on Election Day. Right, or to get the absentee ballot. Like, that wasn't sufficient for them to be able to get an absentee ballot. Right. So, right. so the option then um, under those conditions is just don't vote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, uh, I wanted to share some other really interesting stuff that's a little bit out there. Okay, well, this okay. is the out there stuff. This is the yeah, out there so stuff. Far it didn't seem like no, we this is the out there stuff. All okay. right, let's go. This is from a website called Call Hub. Call Hub. And so I took our own advice and I said, <laughs> you know, and rather just telling Brian, hey, I found this cool article on Call Hub, maybe I should do what we said a couple of shows ago, which is read laterally and yeah. research. Go to Google yeah. and research what Call Hub is. Yeah. See, look at me go. Look at me. Good job, you. Thank you. Well done. So this is what Call Hub is. Tell us about Ready? Call Hub, yeah. It's, a ma- it's uh, making personalized communication scalable for political campaigns. Huh. Nonprofits, advocacy groups, and businesses. Our voice and SMS software connects campaigns to the audience through a cohesive mix of phone banking, peer-to-peer texting, SMS broadcast, SMS opt-in, and voice broadcasting software. So wow. what is it, basically? It's political marketing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So they have an article about three unconscious biases that oh, affect voter good behavior. Stuff. Good stuff. This is where the magic happens. We're going to read some of this stuff, and the buzzwords are going to change your behavior. Look out. Look out. If you're driving, you may want (laughs) to just pull over in case this effect is more dramatic than we intend. It will vary from user to user. (laughs) I'm so curious to know what you think of this. I can't wait. This is what they say. Three, and, And by the way, they did make this clickable. And and I will confess, while I was eating my lean cuisine and doing this reading, I did not click. I did not dive into this. And clicks. I will clarify for since this is radio, yeah, that that would have been super weird. Why? Because this is paper. <laughs> because because we're. We're referring right Click. now. I'm clicking on the paper, paper and nothing's happening. Yeah, you might need another <laughs> round of lean cuisine. I'm not sure. This is maybe some maybe maybe wine with lunch would really clarify a couple of things there. I don't know. Just, okay. Just, just, well, here's where they start. Call Hub starts with. Okay, so so what? You, if you were online, you could click. Is yes. that what you're saying? Call Hub's yes. not a book. <laughs> Some of our listeners are not familiar. They're very confused what we're talking about right now. Call up. Okay. Why do people vote the way they do? Voters are influenced by a large number of factors. Okay. Party identification, for one, is a major influencer. How many times have you gone in and just voted straight party? Uh, I mean, I've I've done it for sure. You've done it. Okay. Me too. 
Ideology plays a big role, too, in deciding what party or candidate you favor. But that's because sure. all of the other candidates sucked. <laughs> that was why, I mean, for sure. It, Your critical thinking spidey I'm sure, sense was I'm like, sure I didn't just go in there and go, ah, team. I don't know who Jim Jones is, but, man, he's a Democrat, so uh, click. Well, sometimes, you know, you know again, it's like you, it's that team loyalty. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's the thing is that yeah. especially around here, I mean, team loyalty is a big deal. Oh, God. And so there's not any surprise when someone who is team loyal is also party loyal. <laughs> like, there just is no surprise there whatsoever. Really? Yeah. It's just taking, that's what they call taking one for the team. That's our group. Uh, studies have shown that social and demographic characteristics like class, geography, religion, gender, age play a part in deciding voting behavior. These influences are easier to measure, but from past elections, we've seen that voting behavior doesn't always go in the way it was predicted. Uh-huh. So they talk about unconscious bias, which I thought that was good. They started with that, right? Unconscious bias. So what is unconscious bias? Brian, give the good people listening a quick definition. What is unconscious bias? Well, unconscious bias is some sort of predisposition intellectually. I mean, that's what we're talking about, but not just intellectually, maybe, maybe in terms of action or whatever that, that I carry around with me that leads to me uh, making choices in one way or another, um, you know, in, in line with whatever the disposition is. So maybe I, uh, maybe I am always looking for blue because I think the blue's lucky. And so I've got this bias. And so I don't really, I don't really anymore since I've been doing this maybe for decades, you know, I don't really even have to do a lot of explicit looking. I just find myself gravitating toward the blue. And when there are options, I naturally pick the blue. And I don't really think a lot about it. And maybe I never really even decided to do it in the first place. Maybe I did it because my family does it and we're just, right. we're into blue. So it's, that's and we've the always unconscious part. Yep. That's the unconscious part, right? I, yeah, I don't even think about it. Right, right. Yeah. So, so I this, could, though. That's important for critical thinking. I could. Yes, yeah. you could say, wait a minute, instead of doing a straight party line here, I want to have a conscious reason why I'm deciding on this candidate. I have reasons. I can yeah. reason my way yeah. through it. Okay. I think, the, I think the red one's nice, too. Yeah. So they say, a 2009 study asked Swiss undergrads to choose between photos of competing candidates in the 2002 French parliamentary elections based on who appeared, who appeared to be more competent. Okay. Mm. That's all you got, right? That's uh, 70% of the students chose the candidate who went on to win the election. Since the students had no other variable other than looks to base their decision, it goes to say that voters are highly influenced by candidates' exterior. Sure. Um, yeah. Right? Sure. We've sometimes seen that, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, well, I mean, and, and I think that, well, we have sometimes seen that. I mean, how about male versus female candidates? Just, just period. Exactly. I mean, I think that's very clear. And, of course, the race obviously plays a huge issue. Right. Yep. Right. In a 2007 study by Gian Caparabra, results showed that it's not only looks that affect voter perception. The study asks over 6,000 American voters to compare their personalities with those of John Kerry and George W. Bush. Huh. John Kerry scored higher in openness, a trait shared by Kerry voters, while Bush was seen by most as loyal and sincere, attributes that his voters also shared. Unconscious bias played a subtle role in both studies influencing voter decisions. So they're saying unconscious bias and like who you, whose personality that most jibes with yours or who you think is better looking because of course there's tons of research behind you know 
how better looking people have better shots at jobs or makes make a better impression, you know. So here's here's an interesting one. I found this real this is one I thought was really out there. Disgust sensitivity. Dis- disgust like I just disgust my sensitivity. No. <laughs> disgust like disgusting. Oh, disgusto. <laughs> yes. I don't like this. Yeah, so yeah. here's what it says. All right. Yol Inbar, a psychology professor at the University of Toronto, did a study where he found relationships between disgust, sensitivity, and political conservatism. Responses by participants to questions similar to, you discover that a friend of yours changes underwear only once a week, were recorded on a disgust scale to measure disgust sensitivity. Further questioning of participants on their political ideology found that people who are easily disgusted are more likely to describe themselves as politically conservative. I want, how big Invi- was this sample? I know. Invar relates the findings of the study to evolutionary biology in which, in that, as people started to spend more time in larger groups, they started to develop defense mechanisms to avoid catching diseases. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with somebody about where the disgust response comes from. I Maybe so, but wow, do we really think that there's some sort of a built-in conservatism that goes along with being disgusted by Well, things? think about it. You're not disgusted by much, and you're pretty liberal. Well, you've just unmasked <laughs> me. I feel like this is totally inappropriate. Uh, you're listening to Forward Radio. When was the last time you were disgusted? The last time I was disgusted, I can't. I can't even See? think about it. I mean, I, I mean, I can't remember when the world. I mean, maybe there was something with a. Maybe there was some feces somewhere that disgusted me, or a piece of. Oh yeah, there was a piece of compost. I'm sure at any point, compost. Yeah, compost. Would so your sensitivity is what? How would you describe that? Oh, it's high. It's high. I think it would be tough to find. Yeah, like I, it's tough to find things. Yeah, sure. So what do you, you discuss? Discuss sensitivity, meaning right? You're more disgusted. Disgust. It doesn't explain why people like Mitch McConnell. That see that does that goes against that. I don't even know what you're suggesting. What is that? <laughs> Are you suggesting that our fine senator perhaps has detractors? Uh yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I've heard he that. disgusts a lot of people. He disgusts people. Yeah. yeah. Well, he he's snappy looking. Yeah. Well, mm. like a turtle. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. All right. Whoa. Let's, let's move on. For everyone. Let's move on. Oh okay. Fear sensitivity. Fear sensitivity. A study <clears throat> into the impact of sensitivity to fear found that conservatives are more influenced by fear-inducing elements such as loud noises and threatening images. Political rhetoric that plays on people's fears, such as terrorism, loss of jobs, violence, et cetera, can be used to subtly influence voter behavior. Fear. Fear. See, you're not afraid of that much. See? <laughs> I'm sure that there are things. I mean, fear is a response that can that can pop up in the moment, right? I mean, you don't have to. I hope that we're not rolling around living in fear, Right, I really hope that that's making not decisions that. based on fear. That's a ooh, that's a tough place to be. Well, it is a tough place to be. I mean, I certainly have lived in places where I've been fearful um, in some regard, just generally, like low level, like beyond wary. Like I was, really? you know, yeah, like like you're, 
you know, you're sort of concerned that there will be problems, right? Not just that I've got to be on the lookout for problems, like they could really show up any time. Um, and that creates a lot of cortisol <laughs> in my yes. experience, you know. A lot of and I stress mean, response, yeah. Yeah, and then you don't sleep well. Yeah, and, you know, it, then you're grumpy and then your work suffers and then your yeah. health suffers. I mean, I really think, you know, we want to avoid that. But, of course, the culture that we're in uh, spends so much time trying to cultivate fear and maybe even disgust. I don't I haven't thought a lot about that one, but definitely fear as a way to cause us to do things like buy products. Oh, absolutely. To manipulate us for sure. Yeah. And political ads can definitely fall under that. Yeah. So, folks, you got to be really careful about how your emotions are being manipulated. Oh, yeah. Well, and the you market's know. there to do it to you, right? I mean, it's there to make sure that um, whatever emotional responses I have translate into purchases, right? Translate into clicks, translate into something that ultimately is monetizable. And um, if you and I are too virtuous or highbrow to care about such things, there is someone absolutely ready to take our money. So, I mean, we just can't avoid this mechanism. No, and, and so, you know, they call it unconscious because we're not aware of it. So we, we just we're about it's about heightening this. And it's really effective, right? I mean it's billion dollars billions effective. of dollars a year in right. effectiveness, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so another bias they mention is um, negativity bias that campaign uh, it's an unconscious bias that campa- campaigns tend to take advantage of is the is this negativity bias. The tendency for people to let negative emotions dominate judgment and decision-making. Research suggests that emphasizing the negative qualities of your opponent can increase voter turnout amongst your supporters. Well, I mean, whenever you paint someone as an enemy, then you get some support. Riled up. You get people riled up, right? Yeah, people say, ah, I oppose that too. Right. Yeah. So these are are some of the ways that they – this – these emotions and these biases get in the way. Yeah. Now, now there's another one that I heard about years ago that I just had to do some research on. For sure, and in case in case it's been a minute, hear that? <laughs> hear that? I feel like it's important that we continue to highlight these dead trees. They gave their all for us for this show. Yeah, this pulp is here because. These trees were sacrificed, and that's a it's a traditional way of conveying information. And here at Critical Thinking, everyone we for everyone we are we are all uh, beneficiaries of tree derived knowledge. And, that's true. Uh, we should acknowledge we should acknowledge those sacrifices. Uh, Listeners, you can probably guess which one of us likes paper and which one of us carries a laptop laptop around everywhere. You can probably guess. <laughs> Listeners, you know as well as I that everyone carries a laptop around everywhere they go. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Because all you got to do... Sit down. Laptop. Ah, ba-dum-bum. You're welcome. you're going to do that one. That's for everyone. So here's this last piece that I heard about years ago, and Mm. I just couldn't resist checking it out online. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard about this? Abraham Lincoln, I've heard of him. No, the oh, headline sorry, from I, Ohio State University pictures. Fisher College of Business. It says, does height make right? U.S. presidents and their height, weight, and greatness. Well, as a person who's not really very tall, uh, I yeah. am aware of the dominance of tall people. 
Are you aware? I am. How tall are you? Um, five nine. And do you ever feel like you've been at a disadvantage in your life? Have you ever been biased against? Yeah, when I was younger. When I was younger, there were kids, of course, you know, as we're all growing up, some kids get taller a lot faster than others, right? Yeah. So sometimes, you know, I'm still 5'5 five, five or, you know, whatever, 5'1", yeah. and there's a kid that's like, you know, 6'5", and you're like, what in the world's going on, you know? And I mean, I'm sure that kid's going, wow, I feel like I... You know, would rather not they be so tall at that biases. time. Yeah, they get their own. I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at it in detail, but <clears throat> that's my assumption is that uh, point of view really helps us construct these biases. And so um, I don't feel that way now um, at all. I don't um, concern myself with it in any way. Uh, but I just remember when I was young, that being a concern. And I know that in culture broadly, there are those who are concerned with such things, right? There are people who are concerned with these, you yeah. know, um, with these things like um, the importance of height. Obviously, right. whoever wrote this thing. Well, but this has been out there for a long time, which is this research that shows there have been tall the people candidate, for a long time. presidential candidates who are – that those – when you stack them up next to each other, the one who is taller – tends to win more often. Oh, no. I know, because oh, guess no. how tall Trump is? Guess. Tall. Get, just guess. I'll tell you. T- guess. How tall is Trump? Yeah. What would you say? 6'4". Six, 6'3". Four. Six, three. Six, and three. how tall is Biden? How tall is Biden? Yeah. What would you guess? Nine feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a Not guess. Not the metric system. It's just a guess. Um, you know, it's just a guess. <laughs> He's six feet. Six feet. Yeah. Are you trying to depress me now? No, no. But here's the thing. Right. It's only three quarters of the time. <laughs> okay? So here, let me let me lay this so on you. So you got another 75% <laughs> advantage for the home team. Let me read this. Right. There is a slight tendency for winners of presidential elections to be taller than their opponents, though the difference is quite small, right, like 1.24 centimeters or 0.49 inches, okay. and not significant. It does does appear, however, as if the height advantage, slight though it may be, is getting more pronounced over time. Oh. If one considers presidential elections from 1988 to 2012, winners average 1.07 centimeters shorter than their opponents. In the past 100 years, uh-huh. winners average 3.8 centimeters more startling or uh, taller than their opponents more startling still it's been 118 years since we elected a president who was shorter than the average american male at the time okay and since then the average u.s president has been 4.42 inches taller than the average american male which is a pretty noticeable difference this is weird stuff this i just find this so weird (laughs) because like because I try to make meaning of that. Yep. And other than randomness, and is there a bias at play? Tall voters, people are more important. It's clear. <laughs> they have better ideas. They're smarter. They're stronger. They, well, wait, they're prettier. Wait, do you hear about the weight? Wait, do you hear about the weight? Let's just stay on height for a minute. Okay. I mean, go ahead. Is there any reason to be fair minded toward this yes. these ideas is there any reason before we just walk away from it and because we don't like to hear it yes i don't know that i care really no i don't i doesn't if my life so far has been what it is yeah and i'm not concerned at this point in my life that perhaps it could have been different had i been taller 
That does not play. You don't in think about my, that at all. Not even for a moment, even, except that we're doing it here on the show. Even when you were playing football, it didn't matter. When I was playing football, I did perfectly fine. A lot of people commented on my height because they would say things like, "Ah, well, he's never gonna go pro at that height," and everybody's like, "Okay." Right. Oh, well, I, he might have trouble playing in college at that height. Well, I might have trouble playing in college at that weight. I mean, I played in college, but I had to gain a bunch of weight. And, of course, I gained two feet in height to be able to play in college. But then after I stopped playing college football, I shed all that height like you do. <laughs> well, it's just ridiculous. Like, you know, I mean, there's a lot more going on I know. I'm just... than height. I'm not saying it's you're the one that's ridiculous. Everyone has these biases, right? And of course, all you got to do is read Sports Illustrated or go on ESPN and you see the commoditizing of athletes' bodies of all types um, just consistently. And this height thing is a is a big metric. So that's really interesting. So so it's interesting, like people have like a bias toward people who are taller. Oh, yeah. Favorability well, I think, I bias. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wonder about... You know, I mean, have you ever felt uh, any issue one way or the other? I have no idea if you're tall for a woman or short for a woman. I am 5'4", which is, I believe, pretty average for American woman. Okay. 5'4 is pretty average. I mean, has has height ever played for you in any kind of... The only time is when um, I'm at the grocery store and I can't get something off the top shelf. Oh, well, okay. That's... That's everybody, right? That's every... Well, In the library, you know, you got to go get that. Now, my sister, who... My younger sister, who is like three inches taller than me. Okay. If we were driving in the same car and we switched and I was... She had to get into the driver's seat that I was just in. She would sit down and realize it was pulled so... She would start singing the Lollipop Guild as she would push the seat back. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm sure that's a tender memory for you all to recount over the Thanksgiving Oh, it always table. made me crack me up. Okay. It was hilarious. Okay. All right. Because, you know, here's the thing. There isn't the stigma for women being short that there is for men. Gotcha. That, that stigma is, like, not there. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you well, know, and, and I can wear high heels and be three inches taller anytime I want. Okay. I mean, you could you could too, but could, it's I a do. different dynamic. Well, I do, but oh, you know, not on the show. Okay, so I need to say before we run out of time, in terms of weight, the results are less clear. We have routinely elected U.S. presidents who are overweight, including President Clinton and Trump. It has been more than a century, however, since we have an, an obese president. Overall, though, the results vary a bit by the type of study one performs. It appears that height and weight do matter in how we pick presidents. Hmm. This is crazy. Why do you think that's crazy? I mean, there's a huge bias about weight in our culture. I mean, several of them. But he's saying he's saying weight. I think he's saying weight is an advantage, though. Wait a minute. The results suggest that there was a moderately strong relationship between height and presidential greatness. Note that it is difficult to argue that presidential greatness should depend on height, weight, body mass index, or more arguably how long ago the leader was elected. These are the only factors, along with the interaction between the year elected and height, that went into the prediction value, predicted values. We find it difficult to identify leader behaviors that independently assessed correlate with leader effectiveness. This is, wow, this is wild. We find we find it difficult to locate. <laughs> d- am I understanding that they just said we're finding it difficult yeah. 
to find measures of leadership with regard to presidents (laughs) that do not in some explicit way incorporate their height or weight or just correlate. (laughs) Correlate this highly with leader effectives, height and weight. Oh, but they... They make they make the correlation. Right, right. That's stunning. I know. I don't even know what to say. As someone writing a paper about leadership right now, I am just fascinated by this finding. I'm so glad. I know. And because he, I wasn't including Hyde at all. And he says, poppycock, you say? Look, I'm only the messenger. The, <laughs> eminent, the eminent philosopher David Hume cautioned us more than 250 years ago to avoid... Oh, trash! <laughs> Sophist! Poppycock! The fact you would even bring in poppycock! What's this point about David Hume? Go ahead. It's poppycock. He says... To avoid the ought-is problem. He noted that our desire for how things should be colors our evaluation of how things really are. Let's not mix up what we think is the case with what we think ought to be the case. You know what? OMG. You know what sucks? What? I think it sucks when people make people put ideas out there right. that are controversial and then they backpedal from them and say, you know, I know it's controversial. But David Hume says something controversial, too. <laughs> it's not the trash I said, but he he also said well, controversial Well, it sounds things. like he's saying David Hume is, like, warning us that you should pay attention to this and don't ignore it because you want to ignore it. No, I know. I, I understand what he's saying. I, I mean, it's a closely related thing. It's a straw man. <laughs> it's the straw person. It's... <laughs> It is straw trash. <laughs> and we thank you for taking the time today to listen to this straw trash. We're going to find out two weeks from today. If height correlates. Mm, dun, dun, dun. Or if weight correlates. Okay, so Trump's taller. And heavier. But heavier. And Biden's shorter <laughs> and lighter. Okay. Okay, Trump's got more and more stuff stacked in his favor. I can't, I mean, longer ties also? Crazy hair. Because he's taller. Crazy hair. I don't... You think his hair is crazy? (sighs) Yeah, that's... Do you not like his hair color? That's the subject of a whole other show. Straw man. Talk about straw man. Oh, okay. I got you. I mean, I'm not much (laughs) of an esthete when it comes to these sorts of things. I I mean, you you see what I do with my hair. Straw man hair, get it? This is not $70,000 hair. No, this is this is seven dollars. This is maybe free. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just free hair. We folks go to our website if you want to see Brian's extraordinary head of hair. Extra, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. If, if anybody would like to pay money to do something, nope. Oh, how much would they oh, donate sorry. if you would do something fun with your hair? My parents have already pulled out their checkbook, so I'm going to really? go ahead and stop right now. Really? Oh, yeah, they was there no number? I, no they number? would love it if I... No number? I think $70,000. Really? I mean, the president... No, are you are you seriously saying that? If someone gave you $70,000, you'd cut your hair? I would do anything at all with my hair. I might do it just for $7,000, just because it's a it's a renewable resource hair. I don't know if you guys know. 7000 bucks. If I've got a bunch of hair, I can... I what can about seven hundred? What if we took another Absolutely zero off? Absolutely not. No, no. No, okay. my vanity is worth more than that. I'm afraid. I'm trying to figure out where the number is. Yeah, just out of curiosity. It, defi- it definitely has four places okay. uh, at four a minimum. Digits. Four digits. Yeah, maybe five. Number. You might go to five. Okay. I would go to six. We're gonna find out. My hair's nice. 
Well, this show is This show is all about vanity. It is <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. It's been a hoot. Critical thinking is for everyone, and we're not even kidding. It is for you. Even them? Even you. 